Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So we are back, the Women's Football Podcast returns and I am joined by Lewis Ambrose. How is life treating you? It's all great, thanks. You know, we've just been talking about all of the things that we can't do. Yeah. Other than all of those things, things are going pretty well, I guess. Positivity, that's what I like. And of course, we have got Alejandro Diago. He is back with us. How are you? Good. And Angelina, how are you doing? Here also enjoying about the things we still can do like this as this podcast. Yes, exactly. You know what? I like that positivity. The things that we can do, at least we may not be able to physically watch football, but we can still talk about it. Um, And the first thing I want to talk about, because I'll be honest, I want to get it out of the way. Manchester is unfortunately temporarily blue in the Women's Super League. Um, Yeah, Manchester United lost that derby. Um, Props to Man City. They had a brilliant and massively important win. Um, United, I'm just, I've, I've not forgiven the players, I'll be honest. I'm still upset, I'm, you know. But Alejandro, what did you make of the game? Sadly for you, Angelina, we watched that Man City is the only team nowadays that can fight the title in England to Chelsea. Uh, they displayed a wonderful level in the Manchester Derby, as you say, as you say before, 3-0 victory. And it was so high that Man United wasn't able to fight at their level and they always were one step behind of Man City during the game. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it, being one step behind constantly. Um, I mean, like I said, it, it was an important win. Lewis, just how important is it? Because it, this surely represents a lot for Manchester City. It does. It was a statement. It was a, a statement week for for City, really, to to beat Arsenal last weekend and then to beat United as well two in a row Chelsea were probably looking at this weekend as the weekend that maybe they'd get far away enough to to think the title was massively in their hands and now it's I wouldn't say wide open again but well five points gap City uh, got a game in hand so it's all to play for I think it was also important for City who we talked about talked about before they maybe started the season a little bit slower than they'd have liked but they've really asserted themselves now. They're on one hell of a run. They drew against United earlier in the season and they'll be very happy, sorry to you, to sort of reassert themselves as the, the dominant force in women's football in Manchester. Yeah, well, whatever. We're going to bounce back, so I don't, I don't even care. <laughs> Is there anything you want to get off your chest? No, um, I'm trying to be positive. No, I mean, it was a complete, an utter letdown. I had such high hopes and I mean I wasn't 100% that we were going to win it but I just thought we'd have a little bit more to give than that um and I mean of course for City Caroline where's where's chip was absolutely brilliant um and she actually scored the winner a City defeated United 1-0 in that inaugural Manchester derby back in September 2019. I remember that one well. I'm not going to admit that I shed a tear, but maybe I did. You'll never know. Um, the goal was subsequently nominated for the FIFA Pushkas Award in 2020. Um, that one that she scored back then was a brilliant 25-yard strike. Um, there's just something about her and Manchester United. She likes to cause us a lot of pain. Alejandro, what do you make of her as a player? 
Personally, I think she's the best player Scotland has in at this moment. We saw it in the World Cup a couple of years ago, and we are seeing nowadays in the Super League every weekend. Uh, the fact that Man City has her in her team is maybe one of the reasons why the citizens have become the real alternative to Chelsea in England. And we saw in the pitch, she's the, the ideal player to complement George Stangway and Chloe Kelly. And she's the best, the best star Man City can, can, can ever have. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um... As, as I said before, United were not at their best. It was not the performance I was expecting. I am secretly very angry inside. Um, Lewis, where do you think it went wrong for Casey Stoney? Because she can't just blame the injuries, surely. She can mention the in- maybe not blame the injuries. They they get like a five percent mention. Yeah, they're not they're not irrelevant, you know. Yeah. Um, not just missing players, but missing key players, Tobin Heath, Lauren James, and then losing Leah Galton to injury as well. And it's just unfortunate that they are all players that all play in similar positions and provide the same thing. So I think there was a, a big issue here for United with creating chances. I don't think City created... Like, they had they had plenty of shots, but nothing that you'd sort of say... Yeah, they were sort of ripping United apart. We mentioned Caroline Weir's goal, which was just a moment of individual brilliance. Like, I don't think there's anything United can really do to stop a goal like that. There's nothing anyone can do to stop a goal like that. So maybe I think that's what I'd put it down to. That's what United were lacking, that that moment of brilliance, that that player who might, you know, blow things open and, and create something off their own back and, it's been a bit of a problem this season, I think. If you look at the the league table and you see that United, compared to the other top teams, Chelsea, City and Arsenal, they just don't score quite as many goals. Uh, Tobin Heath is injured at the moment, as we said. And then you've got Kristen Press, who has only scored a couple since she arrived in the summer. Not really impressed whether that's her or United not getting the most out of her. I think that's up for debate. But... That's got to change, I think, if United are to sort of turn this form around. They've had a few defeats recently now. Obviously, Chelsea and City, it can happen. Reading as well. They're going to have to improve and they're going to need Kristen Press, I think, to start scoring more goals if they're going to improve. Definitely. I mean, you've mentioned a few names there, but, you know, speaking of the injuries, you know, Tobin Heath, Lauren James, Alessia Russo were sidelined. Now, Leah Galton with that ankle injury. Um, and, and Kristen Press, you know, I think, uh, as we're recording, I think she's only scored two. Um, so, Alejandro, do you think that Manchester United are maybe lacking a strong forward that can produce the goals? Or do you think once these injured players return, there is enough talent? Well, we could say, looking on perspective, maybe the signing of a striker in the last winter market would have helped to deal with this situation, but really, you have said before, uh, Man United has Toby Heath injured, Lauren James injured, Alessia Russo injured, Lee Galton another ankle injury, four players injured that they are the spine of Man, of Man United, so that's a problem and it's sad because nowadays Man United cannot help uh, the situation as, pe- as the best as, as they would like to, but I, uh, but how, uh, but I don't think uh, Man United they are lacking a strong forward. They got it, but the but the the consequences of this calendar of this uh, extreme uh, calendar that they have 
that they have made her to lack a strong forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that when once people are back from injury, um, things will be a little bit better. I mean, Lewis, be, be honest with me, give it to me straight. Is it safe to say that the hopes of a Women's Super League title are gone for United? I think I know the answer to that one. But do you think that they can still finish third um, and get a Champions League spot? I think you've answered the title race question yeah. yourself. <laughs> um, they, yeah, they can. And it's firstly, it's been a good season. United have had a few bad results lately, but it's been a really good season. They've made so much progress from last season. Casey Sloney said after the game that, you know, Winning the league was never sort of the aim really for this year. It was all about if they could get into the Champions League and finish in the top three. They're still on track to do that. Arsenal have got a couple of games in hand, but we know that they've been poor lately. They've, you know, they've dropped points to not only in the games to with Chelsea and City, which have been, we talked about that last week. They've been a problem for Arsenal, but they've also drawn with Reading lately. They're not impressing and, the, they keep having fixtures postponed. They're going to have a little bit of an issue, I think, getting some rhythm when they do finally start to play again. And even if they come out of this run and start playing well again, they're nine points behind United with two games in hand. So even if they win those two games, they're still only three points behind. They're still three points behind. It's it's all it's in Arsenal's hands, but United will be telling themselves that it's entirely in their hands as well. And that's exactly what they've got to focus on and keep going. And we'll see if they can manage to, to find a few more goals. If they don't, then you might start to worry for them a little bit. But the fact that they've pulled away from Everton and they've made so much progress based on last season, it's, it's already a success and it's going to be close between them and Arsenal now for third place. Yeah, I mean, I, I keep telling myself, and this is the thing with Manchester United, the men and the women's teams, they allow me to get so excited and I think, oh my God, we could be winning titles and then my dreams are crushed. Um, and that's basically what's happened here. But like you say, it's not been a terrible season and I think that is right. You know, it's not about winning a title yet because I, I, in all honesty, jokes aside, you know, we, I don't think that we're ready yet. Um but I think, yeah, to get a spot in Europe would would definitely be uh, it'd be absolutely brilliant, especially for the fans. Um, so I've I've got my fingers crossed. Sorry, Lewis, but um, I've, I have. I, I don't want Arsenal in that spot whatsoever. I will be fuming. Um, now, next up was the Coppa Italia, the second leg of the quarterfinals. It was raining goals. Um, I mean, let's start with Juventus and. Empoli, the first game we did discuss, um, Juve managed to win that 5-4. They then won 3-0 in the league against them. And at the weekend, they won the second leg 5-0. Um, Alejandro, I was expecting a little better from uh, from Empoli. What went wrong for them? Was it just that Juventus were the better team? Yeah, I think just Juventus, they were the, be the best the best team than Empoli and I think that they managed, the game they managed to win 5-4 was just a, a, a small game where, where they considered lots of mistakes and they almost played with a defeat because normally a game that you won 5-4 is a game where you have done lots of mistakes in, de in defence. But what, as we are seeing this season in Italy, Juve wants to claim another title and they are on their way to do the back-to-back -back because they are undefeated in the Italian championships. 
now in the they are on the semi final of the of the of the of the Coppa Italia, and always with the permission of Milan that they are uh, in, on the title race behind them and they are going to be one of the most important rivals to get the Coppa Italia. Yeah, um, d- definitely. Um, I mean, it, it is scary when you think of Juventus and you know some of the things that they've achieved, some of the results they've achieved. Um, I guess for them it was just another day in the office. Um, Lewis, who was your woman of the match for Juventus? Who stood out to you? I think you've got to mention that Cristiano Girelli made made it to 50 Juventus women goals, the first player to, to reach 50 as a landmark for the club. But I think the one to watch is uh, Andreas Descova. She came off the bench. She scored twice. She's only 20 and she's come off the bench in most of their games this season, but not had a great impact. She's, I think, got one goal in the league. So I think she'll be hoping and thinking that maybe she made a bit of a point coming on, scoring twice, sort of putting that result completely beyond any doubt. And maybe we'll see her knocking on the door for some starts in the first team soon. Yeah, possibly. I mean, like you say, those that 50-goal mark, um, absolute props, fantastic achievement. Um, Juve will face Roma in the semi-finals um, because they won on aggregate 10-1 <laughs> um, against Florentia. Recently, Roma have, have been on fire apart from their defeat against Juventus in the Super Cup. Um, they're now going to face each other again. I'm personally looking forward to it. Um, Alejandro, what are your expectations for this semi-final fixture? Really, this is going to be an exciting game. One yeah. of the be- best games Italy can offer now. Of course, Juve are the main favourites and the big candidates to go to the final. But I think Roma can make the upset of the cup if they know how to explode the weak points of Juventus. Those weak points that we saw in the 5-4 win against Empoli, where they made lots of mistakes in defence. Uh, Roma will need the best version of some of their stars, like, for example, Andresa Albers or, or Manuela Giuliano. But these players know how to play this kind of games. So I'm going to make a, a, a small prediction. I will say 30% of chance to Rome to win and 70 to Juve. Oh, really? Seven? OK. Luis, have you, what do you reckon? He's gone mad. oh my god so you reckon Juve are winning this no problem yeah Yeah, I think so yeah I mean I I am too I mean I would love to see Roma shake things up a little bit maybe disrupt them slightly but um, I yeah I'm kind of with you guys I I do see I do see them winning this one Um, I mean, the other semi-final game um, will be a, a massive Milan derby. AC Milan got through on away goals. Um, now, Lewis, we did say Sassuolo were kind of the underdogs to get behind. Um, so were you expecting a little bit more that they didn't manage to get through um, to the next round? I don't. I wouldn't say I was expecting it. I think... I think they they'll just consider themselves really unlucky to to have drawn twice against a team as strong as Milan and not go through. Obviously, thanks to the away goals, Milan has just got such a and you can see it in in the league this season. Milan have just got such a strong defensive record. So as soon as they got that away goal in the first leg, 
Sassuolo had to score in the second leg and that was always looking like it might be a problem and we talked about the the first leg before and we said that Sassuolo had their chances and obviously they'll just regret a little bit that it took them so long to get the equaliser but as I said to draw twice and be knocked out is just unfortunate more than anything else. Yeah I did feel for them a little bit um now, Inter Milan actually lost the second leg, but on aggregate, it was 2-1. Um, looking at where Inter are in the league and some of their form recently, um, Alejandro, were you surprised that Fiorentina didn't manage to get a win? No surprise because how, uh, how they are going this season in the league, but it was expected because even if Fiorentina in the last year has been one of the surprises of Italian women's football and... They have been a very funny team to watch. Uh, this season, they, they, they are coping against a, more, a stronger team, for example. They are coping against a very powerful Milan. Uh, and they were, and, and the, the Rossoneri, they were performing pretty decently. So now we will have a, a derby de la Madonnina in the semifinals of Coppa Italia. So let's see what, uh, what the, uh, does this semifinal give us. But, I see the Rossoneri favorite to win the, the, the tie and go to the final. But this is the Coppa Italia and everything can happen. What do you reckon, Lewis? Are you on board with that prediction? Yeah, like Alice said, cup competitions, you never know. But you'd have to be back in Milan here. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, very exciting cup competition. And I'm looking forward to those semi-final fixtures. I'm sure we'll be chatting about them. Um, now off to Spain and Barcelona were crowned champions of the 2020 Copa de la Reina with a 3-0 win over Logroño. This means that they officially did the double last season. Um, now for the losing team, really, you know, they should be happy, I guess, that they got to the final. It wasn't a completely humiliating defeat, especially when you look at some of Barcelona's recent results. Um, Lewis, do you think that they showed any promise in your opinion or was it pretty much a one-sided game? Uh, both think that they'll be, or they might be happy, obviously they've lost the cup final, but <laughs> they'll be happy that they held on sort of until half-time, that they made a bit of a game of it, which wasn't bad. They've, they've had a poor season in, in the league and I think this is, about as any as well as anyone could have expected them to do, even if it did end up one-sided and, and go in the way that everyone would have predicted before the game in the end. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and of course, big congratulations to Barcelona. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's not really surprising that they won at this point. It's like, oh, they won something else. Yeah, great. Congratulations to them because it just seems to be... Nothing seems to be able to stop them. Um, Alejandro, begrudgingly, do you have any uh, talking points of the game or was it just another Barcelona masterclass for you? It was just another Barcelona masterclass, but I would like to remark, for example, how Logroño, they managed to keep their goal sheet clean until the 40th minute. Because this season is very, very difficult to the teams that face Barcelona uh, not to concede goals in the early minutes. We have seen even bigger teams, for example, Real Madrid, they have a problem and they conceded goals in the first quarter of hour, but also smaller teams in the Spanish league. They were fighting with Barcelona and, and when it comes 
15-20 minutes or even less, even 10 minutes, they were conceding goals. Uh, Logroño tried it, but they only lasted until the 14th minute, and, and that is because we are talking about on the best team Barca women has ever had, and you need to compare with a very small team and very humble team like Logroño, the result was the expected one. Definitely, I, th- I think that is it is a, a respectable defeat, most definitely. Um now, Levante, they managed to come from behind twice. Um, they defeated um, Real Sociedad 3-2. Um, now, since they last won the league, which I think was back in the 2006-07 season, there have been a few ups and downs, um, especially in their positions in the league. But for the last two seasons, they've managed to maintain third position. This season, they're currently in, in second place. Luis, do you think that Levante deserves some credit for their consistent form over the last few seasons, especially with, you know, the arrival of Real Madrid, how well Barcelona have been doing, Atletico Madrid, etc.? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so nice to see a club that sort of that you wouldn't put in the in the men's game and that sort of traditional big club powerhouse competes for trophies sort of bracket. It's nice to see them holding their own in the women's game against, you know, you just mentioned Real Madrid. It's obviously their first season and Atletico and Barcelona who have been competing for the title for the best part of the last 10 years or more. It's it's really nice and I think it's something that, that we used to see a bit more. We're seeing less and less now. And I don't know it, what, what Alejandro thinks or if he can tell us more about Levante, but I think it's really the sign of a club that, puts real effort in you know when it's not one of these big clubs where the money is just sort of spare change to them to to run their women's team but a club that really has to put effort in and and really endeavor to have a successful women's team yeah definitely would you would you agree with that yeah of course really Levante in the last season they have uh, improved a lot they have grown a lot even they have overcome uh, when all the when many many teams they were they were uh, signing some of the best players they always reinvented themselves and they and they also bring many nice players For example we see now uh, they have some of the most talented players for the future of the Spanish national team Eva Navarro or Alba Redondo but they also have uh, nice players from the Argentinian national team, uh, Aldana Cometi or Stefania Vanini, and also veterans from the Spanish league, for example, we have seen Irene Guerrero or uh, Andrea Paraluta, that's this Romanian goalkeeper that has many years of experience in Spain. That means that uh, Levante, they are always uh, reinventing themselves and also with the, with the head coach that they have, Maria Pri, it's a coach that has done that she did a very wonderful job when she was in Sevilla in Betis and now she's doing the same nice job in Levante so that means this uh, Levante it will it will be a very competitive team yeah and and I think also like what you said Luis when people because I guess people that don't really have loads of knowledge about women's football or don't maybe watch it a lot I guess it if you see the team Levante, you think you naturally sometimes people will compare it and look at the men's and think, oh, well, hang on, they're not necessarily in the mix in in the men's league. So I think to see the the women's team doing so well, 
Um, like you say, I, I think it's brilliant to see. And, and again, this idea of them reinventing themselves. Um, and and I really hope that it pays off in in some way of, of some kind of trophy or something. Because, um, yeah, I think I am rooting for them a bit. Now, um, Esther Gonzalez was, of course, on the score sheet. She is currently the top goal scorer in the league. Um, now, since international duty is upon us... Um, Looking at some of the other goal scorers um, that we've mentioned, you know, including Barcelona's um, Jennifer Hermoso, Eva Navarro, Alba Redondo, um, those two, you know, also play for Levante. Um, Alejandro, who do you think is the most important forward for Spain at the moment? What a debate and what a question you have made <laughs> me. I think now, really, we are seeing that Esther Gonzalez, she's living a wonderful moment and a wonderful start, a state of fitness. Uh, it, and it's wonderful not only for her team, for Levante, but also for Spanish women football, because now we have choices to pick the starting striker in the national team. So that means the only competition between players, the fight for, uh, to, be, uh, to be in the lineup will be fierce, and there is no safe position, so all the players, they need to perform well every game. But, from my point of view, I'll keep with a veteran like Jennifer Hermoso. Uh, she's also enjoying a nice moment. She's in a wonderful state of uh, shapeness in Barcelona. And she's one of the keys that why Barca is top of the, tit- on the, on the, of the title race. Yeah, I, and I, I like that idea of kind of... N- nobody's safe no position's safe I like that I'd, maybe I'm just a bit twisted I don't know no, no, but that's, that is the, that is the best thing to keep to to make a competitive team when you have players that they are fighting to get a position in the in the lineup and they know that the position they can it can change in the last minute that is when a team is, is going working on the right on the right way and and a team can improve from that side most definitely I I definitely I definitely agree with that one um now, Atletico Madrid, they got a 4-1 victory over Valencia. They're level on points with Real Madrid. We'll get your opinion as well, Alejandro, on this one. But, Luis, should Real be worried about that third spot? Yeah, of course. Atletico have such a great pedigree in, in Spanish football in, in the women's game as well, well, as well as the men's game, obviously. But they've got the experience. They know how to get over the line. They more than this Madrid team maybe have the the feeling that they belong in the Champions League and at the top very top of the table so i think the the teams play each other in a month which could be decisive atletico could be could be level with them or or up to second even by then so um yeah i mean ali i don't know how you're feeling about real madrid and and if they can qualify for the champions league or not this is a safe space. You can tell us. Are you worried? Are you scared? No, no, no. <laughs> no not. worries. No worries. And all my trust in Real Madrid, all my trust in David Aznar and, and, it, and, it sta- and his and staff. Because really, it's the first season of Real Madrid. It's the first season of a new project that it it's still developing. And they are performing quite, quite decent results. So, of course... Uh, I would like to see, for example, not being beaten by Barca for nil. Of course, I am, I, I would la- I, I would not like to see that, but I understand that this is the first year and Real Madrid is building a team for the future. So we are fighting to get in Champions League. I hope we do it, 
but no worries at all because the Champions League there are still some match days to go and Real Madrid needs to uh, needs to uh, get back in some games that they were cut off. Yeah, definitely. I like that. I I love how I wish I could be more laid back like that. Like no worries, everything will be fine. I'm like panicking inside. Um, now looking at the international break um, again, there are a few Real Madrid players in the squad. Um, the main players would be like um, Ivan Andres, um, Marta Cordera, um, also goalkeeper Misa, um, there's Marta Cardona, uh, Maiti Aroth. They've also been called up. Um, Alejandro, which Real Madrid player are you looking forward to hopefully seeing play for Spain? Um, and were there any players that you wanted to be called up that weren't? Well, it can be a bit early and I want to trust in Jorge Vilda. But please, I want to see Olga Carmona having her first minutes as a Spanish women's national team player, really. She's making wonderful appearances every time she plays with Real Madrid. And really, she deserves to that we can see her with the red kit. Also, that are there any players that I would like to be called up? Of course, for example, Teresa Abelleira. She's performing well, but... Uh, the competitiveness in the in the position that she has uh, is is getting more difficult, and and the cap of the national team it's it also it's it makes more difficult for her. But uh, those are the two players I would like to see. One Olga Carmona in the future. Let's hope. Let's fingers crossed. We've got our fingers see, crossed with you. <laughs> to see her in the future playing with the national women's team, and Teresa Villera that that. Uh, sooner or later, she will be one of the uh, one of the safe players that will go to the national team. Well, like I say, we have got our fingers well and truly crossed for you, um, and I'm sure we'll chat more about um, the uh, the national teams as as international duty progresses. Um, now, for our big talking point, I figured, of course, why not the Champions League? Um, on Tuesday, the round of 16 draw was made. Um, so I figured we could go through the fixtures, maybe give a few predictions. Um, so first up, it is the champions, Leon. They will face Brondby. Brondby yes. Um, now, they haven't made it beyond a round of 16 since the 2014-15 season. Um, and for those that don't know, they play in Denmark. They last won the league in 2019. It's one of the best teams in Denmark versus, you know, pretty much the best that France has to offer. PSG fans may disagree, but whatever. Um, Lewis, Leon will surely be happy with this draw. No disrespect to Bronby. Yeah, they were in the side of the draw. I think they could have drawn Atletico Madrid or, or Chelsea possibly. So I think Leon will be delighted to have missed those two teams and to be playing Brunby instead, as you said, no disrespect to Brunby, but this should be a sort of a formality, you would say. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, I mean, I, I guess you've kind of answered it. What's everyone's prediction? I'm obviously predicting that Leon will go through everyone else in agreement. Yeah, unless Ali wants to drop a big shot yeah. here. Go on. Yeah, also Leon, Leon with no doubt, Bromby, even they have many of the, of the Denmark's women's national team players and they even know what it means to reach a women's Champions League semi final. They did it in 2015. But Leon is, they are probably the best team in, the, in Europe and they are the main candidate to win again the title. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I was expecting that there was going to be some actual bomb there that was going to be dropped and we were like, there was something about Bromby that we didn't know that was going to shock us. But no, I think Leon, 100%. Um, now, next up, Wolfsburg, they will be facing LSK, Kvina, FK. Um, now, the Norwegian team is currently playing their 2020 season um, because it was postponed. Um and since 2014, they haven't actually lost the league. But this season, they're currently in fourth. Um, Wolfsburg surely will be desperate to get to another Champions League final. Um, and I'm pretty confident that they'll get through to the next round. Um, Alejandro, do you think that Wolfsburg will get to another final? The million-dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Wolfsburg has been, along with Lyon, the team that they have dominated Europe in the last decade. But we need to see how the competition evolves. Because nowadays, Barca has become a team that can face them face-to-face. -face, and personally, if they find themsel themselves in a Women's Champions League tie, it hurts me to say this, but I'll bet on Barca. Wow. No, really, because... <laughs> uh, Nowadays, Wolfsburg, uh, I think they have lost a bit of this competitiveness they used to have four or five years ago. And Barca, they have won a lot of experience in European competition, and they know how to fight to get to get a a, a spot in a final. Yeah, def definitely. To be fair, I would agree. Um, and I think Lewis, we were talking about it with um, with Drew last week on the on the podcast. Wolfsburger not really the team that they were. They've lost some players. Um, so, yeah, as desperate as they might be to get to that final, I think there's going to be a lot of talent this year that will definitely get in their way. Um, now, speaking of uh, of Barcelona, um, arguably, I don't know, what do you guys think? Of course, I guess Leon are always the favourites because they have won this competition so much. But do you think that Barcelona, with their form, they could kind of be the new favourites? Oh, on the spot. Um, maybe I wouldn't go as far as favourites, but I think you're looking at, at Barcelona, at Chelsea and at PSG as well as the... If we're saying that Wolfsburg and I agree that they've they've dropped off, they've lost players the last few years, obviously, to, at two of those clubs as well, Penilla Harda at Chelsea, Caroline Hansen is at Barcelona. You're looking at maybe Barcelona, Chelsea and PSG being the, the three teams that will sort of be vying to, to fight Lyon this year, I would say, and to possibly knock knock Wolfsburg out of that second place, if not take the, the crown from Lyon. Yeah. Um, now Barcelona, they're playing uh, Fortuna, Horing, may have said that wrong. Um, now, they took the league in Denmark from Bronby last season. Um, so, Lewis, do you reckon Fortuna could surprise us or do you think that this is just going to be kind of an easy fixture for Barca? Yeah, you obviously have to respect the, any team but the Danish champions and, and as you said taking the league off of, of Brunby last season but it's very hard to to look at any almost any team in Europe knocking Barcelona out of the Champions League this year and I think you are really if they're going to come undone it's going to be against one of those top three or four favourites to win the whole thing yeah 
Definitely. I mean, I actually just realised I forgot to ask before. Are we all saying that Wolfsburg will be going through in their fixture as much as we were kind yeah. of hated on them? Um, yeah, I think they'll go through. And again, everyone, I think it's in agreement. Barcelona um, should get through that one OK. Um, so looking at one of the women's Super League teams, Manchester City, they will face um, Fiorentina. We have discussed both teams earlier in this podcast. Um, City are flying. Fiorentina did just lose that Coppa Italia game, but they're fourth in the league. They've been doing all right. This, for me, I think this is an interesting fixture. Um, Alejandro, who do you think will be victorious in this game? Do Fiorentina have enough to maybe cause City some problems? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Fiorentina, even if they have become one of the nicest teams to watch in the Italian Championship in the last years, but we are talking about the European matters. And Man City has a deeper bench and more potential than the Italian side. So from my point of view, this tie will go to Manchester. Are you sure? Do you think that maybe Fiorentina could beat Manchester City and make Angelina's day? No? No, no, sorry, no. Angelina. I'm sorry, but really, <sighs> comparing Fiorentina this season and, Man- and Manchester City, I, well, I'm sorry to say, but I will, I will bet on Man City. Fine. Um, what's everyone? I mean, I, I would tend to agree as well, um, especially, you know, depending how City's form um, continues, if they manage to continue playing the way that they've been playing. Most definitely. I think we're all in agreement on that one as much as I was grasping um, at straws. <laughs> um, now, one of the arguably smaller games um, is FC Rosengard against SKN St. Paulton Frauen. Um, Rosengard have won the league a record of 11 times, the last being in 2019. Um, they have veteran Caroline Seeger on their team, who of course played for Leon and PSG a few years back. Um, Katrine Veche, who played for Arsenal last season, former Celtic player Fiona Brown. There's quite a good mix of experienced players and young players in that side. Um, as for St. Fulton, their season was cancelled last year, but they had won the last three titles prior to this. Um, Lewis, which team do you reckon are coming out of this one? Oh, I'd have to have to admit my ignorance here. <laughs> you know, I've... Um... Yeah, even when you look at the previous fixtures, St. Poulton had a lot harder draw in the, the round of 32 against FC Zürich. Um, Rosengard sort of went through very easily in the end it, uh, with a much easier draw. It's it's so hard to, to say. Whoever goes through will be one of the sort of the teams in the quarterfinals, I guess, that maybe can go under the radar a little bit and nobody will have that much of an expectation for them to, to cause an upset. So, you know, the top sides will maybe be wanting to draw the winner of this one, but I don't usually think that that's necessarily the best way in the in the cup competitions when you could get a nasty shock. Yeah, I, I agree with that one. Um, so, again, I will admit I, I have not watched a lot of these these teams play, um, as in a lot of football that these two teams have played. Um, so I would... Th- this one, I, can't, I couldn't really say who, who would go through. Um, do you guys have any inklings, any feelings? Probably Albert and Rosengard really is the favourite and I think they will have no problem to go to the quarterfinals. Yeah. Um, now... 
next league leaders in Germany, Bayern Munich, will be facing um, BIIK Kazyurt, um, a team from Kazakhstan. They are dominating their league. Um, they have never passed the round of 16 before. Now, personally, I must say, this Kazakhstan team, their goalkeeper is called Angelina. So I am personally feeling very, very confident. Um, even if it's Bayern Munich, with an Angelina in goal, I reckon they'll be all right. Um, Alejandro, do you anticipate this game being an easy one for Bayern Munich or with this new piece of information, do you think it might be hard for them? <laughs> <laughs> well, Bayern Munich, they are the favourites, but apart of having an Angelina in the goalkeeper, that is very important. Mm, uh, of course. Many teams, they have suffered there to play and develop their football when going to Kazakhstan. Uh, we saw it when Barca played there some years ago. It was a very complicated game for them, even if they ended winning 3-0. But it's it's a very difficult place to play football, and in, even more in winter. So I see Bayern advancing to the next round, but the tie is not going to be easy for them, at least the game in Kazakhstan. Definitely. Lewis, what do you reckon? I can't. I wouldn't ever t- disagree with, with Alejandro. Bayern have been so dominant in in Germany this season it's it's terrifying and maybe I should have mentioned them earlier as well to be honest when I mentioned Chelsea and PSG and um and Barcelona as the teams that will fancy themselves we're talking about Wolfsburg slipping off but they still win almost every weekend and they can't get close to Bayern in the Bundesliga and I think that's got to say something about how strong this Bayern Munich team is yeah most definitely and you look at some of the uh, the wins that they have been having recently. They have been absolutely insane. Um, and I mean, all I can say is best of luck to the goalkeeper, Angelina. I am rooting for her. Um, I do think that Bayern will be going through, um, but hopefully she doesn't have a terrible game. Um, next up, PSG. They will be facing Sparta Prague from the Czech Republic. Um, now, they've dominated the National League, having won 20 of the 27 titles, I think. Uh, this is the first time that they've got to this stage in the competition since um, the 2017-18 season. Um, Lewis, can you see them causing PSG any issues, or are you confident that the French side will be ready to um, just kind of get the job done, really, especially, again, with their form this season? Yeah, the latter, the PSG just look unstoppable. They look ready to take on any challenge that, that comes ahead of them and they'll be sort of eyes on the prize. And I think they'll be looking for, for much bigger fish later on in the competition than worrying too much about what Sparta have to offer. Yeah, I agree. I mean, are we, we all in agreement on that one that it will be PSG progressing yeah, probably. Uh, they ha- they, the Slavia Praga won't be a problem for them. And PSG, they have improved their performance in the Women's Champions League in the last year. So this tie goes to Paris. Yeah. Um, and finally, most of those games, I think you can pretty much guess who's going to be going through. Um, there is one game that I am very excited about. Um, Chelsea against Atletico Madrid, um, arguably the biggest fixture in this part of the competition. You've got Chelsea, who have been absolutely flying this season. Fantastic performances. Atletico Madrid, they've already won a piece of silverware. It's been a bit rocky at times. They seem to be playing well recently. Alejandro, how do you think this fixture will play out? Well, if you tell me about this tie three months ago, 
I would say Atlético de Madrid has no chance. Yeah. But the comeback from Jose Antonio Sanchez Vera has made this Atleti looking so different. They have won the Super Cup and their, perform in the, their performance in the Spanish League has improved so much. Yeah, Chelsea are the favourites, but we could have a, an, an upset in this tie if Atleti performs well. So I see it 50-50 for each team. Okay, 50-50. Okay, yeah. what, Lewis, what do you reckon? Uh, I'm going to have to go much more in the direction of Chelsea than, than Alejandro. I think the, the key really, well, the two things, I think Emma Hayes spoke after, I think after Chelsea beat Arsenal last week and she was speaking about not having a sort of philosophy, a style of play. And it makes Chelsea so strong that there's no way that they play. They play to win. They play to exploit the weakness of any given opposition. And if that means sitting back and defending, they'll do it. And if it means pressing high or if it means keeping a lot of possession, they can do all of it. And they, on top of that, they don't rely on a star player. You can look at them each week and one week, Melanie Leopold will impress. One week, it will be Frank Kirby. One week, it will be Sam Kerr or Bethany England or Penilla Harder. And I just think it's too much firepower. It's... Atletico need too many Chelsea players to to not have a good day and I just don't see it happening yeah I, I get what you mean when you mention the firepower it's a, a good um a good argument there oh I really don't know I'm a bit 50 50 as well oh I really I don't think I could call this what maybe maybe Chelsea I don't know oh this is this is really tough but I mean some of these fixtures it's all very exciting um what? Who do you think um, will actually win this competition? Hard question because, as we've discussed, there are quite a few um, a few teams that could certainly be in the mix to having um, a good campaign in the Champions League. Ali, do you say, want to go first? Yeah, uh, I will say the final: Lyon, Barcelona, and Lyon will win the title. Okay. Uh, obviously, so much depends on the draw. I think I think we'll see PSG or Chelsea win the Champions League this year. I think Leon's reign of terror will will come to an end. <laughs> reign of terror, I like that one. Um, oh, for me, I don't know. I've just got this weird feeling about Barcelona. Um, I feel like they maybe will get to a final. Will they win it though? I'm not too sure. Oh, it's too difficult. I don't know if I can pick. Um, oh, I don't know. I. I'm really, I'm the most indecisive person, which doesn't help. Okay, I'm gonna go for maybe PSG. I'm you not just said Barcelona. I know, but then I'm switching it because <laughs> I don't know if I can completely trust Barcelona at the moment. Um, so no, actually, I'm gonna stick with that. I'm gonna stick with Barcelona on this one. Um, I've got a feeling, and I shall follow it through. But if I'm wrong, let's all remember that I did still mention PSG as well. Okay. Trust your gut. Okay. Bye. You. Okay, I'm done. Right, Barcelona. Well, let's let's see what happens, but it's going to be a very, very exciting Champions League this season. So that is the end of our podcast. Big thanks to our guests, to all of you for listening. And if you do want to get in touch, the address is podcast at onefootball.com. Don't forget, you can head to iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you listen to all of your podcasts, really, to have a listen to the One Football Podcast.